And I'm here with Grace Sarabia. Grace, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay, so I am a third year PhD student at uh, UTK Knoxville. I study analytical chemistry, um, specifically Raman spectroscopy. This is a quick listener note because we never actually describe what Raman spectroscopy is. Spectroscopy itself is a study of how matter interacts with the electromagnetic spectrum, so light. And Raman spectroscopy in particular studies how matter vibrates once it's absorbed electromagnetic radiation. And what does your research specifically focus on? So I look at uh, astrobiology, which is um, the idea that like there's life probably elsewhere. What would it be like? What could it, uh, how could it have formed? It's a lot of things. Specifically, I look at... Um, potential indicators of life and like how that might look using ramen. Mm. So I was just thinking about the news story the other day where this NASA intern discovered a planet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And got to name it. And so one of the questions I wanted to ask was, have you discovered anything novel <laughs> through your research? So uh, the research I do is less um, like actual throw into space stuff and more, um, so backtracking a little bit, they're going to put in July of this year um, a rover up on Mars that uses Raman. So I'm not specifically associated with that, but in light of that, uh, I look at stuff mm. that um, we would hope to find, I guess, kind of. That's and the so, Perseverance rover, right? Yeah, yeah, they, they just, just named, named it. it. Yeah, which is really exciting. I would like... I turned to the whole lab. I was like, they named it the rover. <laughs> they were like, oh, what's it called? But yeah. Yeah. I love looking at it. It's the, like the size it's of an SUV. It's so pretty. And it's like yeah. pristine white. Like, oh my God. All the gold foil around it. She's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if, let's say through Raman spectroscopy, you discovered some sort of new life form. Sure. Yeah, like yeah. you, you pinpointed it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Would you get the naming rights? I don't know. I feel like there's not a lot of, like, law or, like, uh, I guess precedent for that. So, like, probably mm. if, uh, yeah, I was, like, heavily involved. But I have no idea. I don't know how that works. <laughs> so would you feel the weight of responsibility to give it a serious name scientifically? Uh, no. <laughs> if, if they were like, hey, Grace, you get to name it, I feel like I would want to name it something, like, interesting or, like, neat-sounding or honestly... Like the Sarabia, whatever, would be like really cool. Yeah. I would just name it after myself, do a classic <laughs> move. <laughs> be like, yeah, that's my thing. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that would be cool. Do you feel like there is a certain type of life form that you're looking for? Like, are you looking for unicellular organisms? Are you looking for like Martian wolves <laughs> roaming around? <laughs> It'll be like more of like a basic, yeah, type of thing. So like what we look at are like very simple molecules, like amino acids, um, simple proteins, different stuff like that. Because um, that's the basis of your Raman spectrometry. Yeah, right? yeah. So um, we we don't look at like super complex things because it's kind of like less like it can be super cool to find a, a space Mars wolf, you know, but <laughs> mm -hmm. it's a lot less likely that we we would come across anything like that. So we kind of like start small, mm. yeah. So I have this, I have this frustration and this creativity mm -hmm. that really longs to see space animals. 
I mean, that's fair. Because we have be aquatic animals, we have land animals, and we have Sky, air animals, yeah, but... like fluid, so gas and liquid, but we don't have the vacuum of space animals. Ooh, vacuum creatures. Yeah. That lives... Ooh. Yeah, and like sci-fi kind of tries to like explore that and be like, hey, what could potentially survive in like any given environment? Yeah. Uh, which I always think is really interesting. I feel like they play it too safe a lot of times in sci-fi. Mm. Like, they stay very humanoid. They stay very, um, like, similar to what we know. I remember the first time I watched, um, like, Alien, the movie. I was like, oh, it's got, it's got, like, acid blood. And, like, <laughs> it's more bug-like. I was like, yes, this is the aliens we should mm. be talking about. I don't know, because it's, like... It's almost, like, limitless, like, in concept, like, what it could be. So I don't know why we stick to such, uh, yes, similar to people type stuff. One of the things that I love about the science fiction genre is I love seeing someone's creativity mm -hmm. brought to life in the the organisms they create. Yeah. But I love seeing how they model it off of basic biology to try and make it yeah. believable. Yeah, yeah. And planet creation, all those things I think are really fascinating. Definitely. So I think about space whales. Ooh, okay. Which, <laughs> I mean, there would have to be space krill, unless they were a solar powered. A system, yeah. If yeah. there's space anything, there's like a context, yeah. So so here's how it would work in my mind. Excellent. So just like, <laughs> just like porpoises and dolphins and turtles and whales come up to get air and breach. Okay. If they were in space, mm -hmm. they would be dipping down into our atmosphere to breathe and then continue out into space. That's fun. I like that a lot. <laughs> they're just like dipping in and they're like, okay, I gotta yeah. recharge. And they're like, okay, back to space. Bye. But, but then there's the <laughs> issue of propulsion and moving yeah. around yeah. outside of gravitational forces. For sure. And I don't really feel like it's polite conversation to go past <laughs> that. Because of biologically what would have to happen. A lot of things. A really lot of things. <laughs> it's a little it's a little complex. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So if you were so I posited the space whale, what okay. type of space animal would you like to see? Ooh. A lot, really. Space whale is uh top ten for sure. Um ooh. I feel like a space llama would be really fun just because like they're very furry. I'm just mm. picturing like a llama with a little like like a little space suit. And I don't <laughs> I that's less like um it's exists in space, but like we sent a llama to space. That's what I want. Get the mm. llamas in space. That's a move. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, but like actually like existing within the vacuum. Hmm. Bugs would be cool. Okay, okay. A giant space moth. That would Ooh, be really neat. And yes. just like the possible colors and things like that. I think a lot of times about like the visible region of color is like really limited, but I want like a UV colored winged moth um, that feeds on stardust or something like that. That's what I would like to see. So when you you say UV <laughs> colored, like we would magically have the capability to see well, the UV spectrum, 
Or it was such a special creature that when you put on special glasses, it became even more extraordinary. Yeah. So, like, it looks, like, really boring to us. Mm. But they're, like, they're looking at each other like, oh, this is, like, a peacock situation. They can see in the UV. <laughs> and they're like, wow, that's a nice looking moth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a peacock situation. <laughs> And then eventually we would get the technology to maybe have those glasses and then we'd be like, wow, okay, we missed out Mm. for a long time. (laughs) Yeah, and then we would have to look at every other organism through those glasses just to make sure we're not missing out on something. Very true. There could be a lot. Oh, man. (laughs) That is so fun to think about. (laughs) Yeah, what other colors are out there that we don't don't know about? Right? I love thinking about the mantis shrimp. Yeah, because they have all those cones, those extra ones. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, I think part of it is really nice that we we only have antenna tuned to certain frequencies because it makes life much simpler. Right. Like if you're trying to navigate through every type of wave in the electromagnetic field, then... That, you'd have to be really equipped. It would, yeah, yeah, it seems like it would just be a whitewash. Mm-hmm. But it would be nice to see some other frequencies here and there. Some variety. Why yeah. not? <laughs> yeah. The main question I want to talk about with you was, is there such a thing as forbidden knowledge? Which is, I think, like a really interesting question. Like you sent uh, the prompts to me and I was like, ooh. <laughs> um, I, my initial gut, like as a scientist is like, no, of course not. Like knowledge is power. Everyone should have the power. But then like, I mm. also feel like just in the complexities of life, there is like a lot of knowledge that I guess is, like, kept from us in terms of, like, I don't know, like, uh, security clearances and things like that. And so then, like, should all of that be exposed, you know, which is weird to think about. So, like, in an ideal world, everybody should be able to know whatever they want to learn, definitely. Um, but mm. I feel like the real world, like, kind of complicates things and, like, messes it up. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like maybe we could solve our budget crisis by just charging subscriptions to Area 51 documents. Ooh, that's smart. I like that. Because <laughs> I would pay. I'd be like, okay, what's right? going on there? I'd subscribe. Right. <laughs> but then you'd have to, I mean, once one person gets one, there's got to be some Robin Hood that's going to release it to the masses. Yeah. And then the plan backfires. No, that's true. You might not be able to fund that, but I just, <sighs> I feel like we should get to know. <laughs> right? One of those situations. <laughs> so I love talking to scientists about this mm-hmm. because I I agree. I have the same sentiment where I, I really don't think there's such a thing as forbidden knowledge. Right. Because I usually explain the example like in my relationship with my wife, the more that I know her, yeah. the more intricately I know her, the better that I can love her. Yeah. And so, like, I, that means I know the things that she likes, and I also know the things she doesn't like. But that knowledge allows me to avoid those things that she doesn't like. Navigate the relationship. To have yeah. a better relationship. Mm-hmm. I feel like where it gets problematic is science as a tool being used for evil or susceptible motives. That's fair. Because, yeah, people have want to do dark, dark things with whatever. Yeah, no, that's super fair. 
Because, like, my mind immediately did go to, like, nuclear codes, stuff like that. Like, yeah. everybody doesn't need to have access to those because some people are either, like, terribly stupid or just, like, <laughs> foolish, you know, or, like, vindictive. Like, we don't need, like, I don't know, like, Betsy and Joanne being like, well, she said... My, uh, my begonias weren't nice this season, so, like, like I don't know. Yeah, but, nuke her garden. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, we don't need nuking gardens. But, <laughs> keep our gardens safe. But, <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, yeah, things that are, like, of, uh, of great power, of great, like, dangerousness. Like, it's hard to trust people... Uh, or trust everyone, you know, with mm-hmm. with stuff of that magnitude, yeah. And so it gets a little tricky. Mm-hmm. So with with your research, do mm-hmm. you feel like there are any ethical limits that you stay away from? Ooh, um, within what I do specifically, uh, no. I feel like I don't like super like meld with things or like. Mine's all kind of, like, hypothetical uh, and trying to create, like, a similar situation, like an, an analog for, like, a Martian environment. So, uh, I don't think so. But I feel like if I really thought about it, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I feel like all research could kind of bump up against the propensity to kind of fudge data or numbers sometimes to make something seem... More better than it is and statistics for, for sure funding. that is that is a problem yeah yeah because you can definitely um any set of data you're given yeah you're trying to present it a certain way that's totally fair um but yeah it, it's interesting because you'd like to think of uh your methods as like very pure very scientifically you mm-hmm. know sound but then there is like a lot of different ways to skin the same cat so then it's like how do you best display your results in terms of uh, the truth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really don't think that space exploration. I don't. I don't want to dive into flat Earth. Oh God. The moon is an observation satellite. <laughs> yeah. Things yeah. like space There's is fake. There's a lot of conspiracy. conspiracies. Yes. No, it's so true. Man. Yeah. <laughs> but they're out there. People are really like trying to. Put a wedge in mm-hmm. uh, in scientific discovery, which is really disappointing. Like as a scientist, I feel like you just like you don't like research has done all these great things, and people are like it's too good to be true, and so it's really lizard people or <laughs> you know whatever yeah. else, whatever else. Definitely weird to think about. <laughs> and I feel like the things that that get placed in that category of the ethical dilemmas is more so the CRISPR technology, the gene manipulation, those things that that seem to have a more profound impact on human society on the earth rather than the things that are out there. Right. And like more complex systems that kind of like, yeah, you can incorporate into like, I guess people. Yeah. So like I'm working like super basic systems more. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. So... But yeah, CRISPR is definitely a wild, a wild time to think about and like what could be done and yeah. So do you think that with all of the implications of CRISPR technology, Mm -hmm. everything from healing 
prenatal diseases, conditions, syndromes, to cosmetic preferences, do you feel like those are all things we should continue to explore and continue to learn about? I think it's important to do research, to gain knowledge, to pursue knowledge, but it's like, I think the pursuit of knowledge is inherently, well, I don't know about inherently good, but ideally good, I guess I could say. And so it's like, I think as a scientist, you should be concerned about implications, but then at the same time, you really can't see the future. You can't know every implication of what you're doing. So you kind of just have to do the best you can as far as the cards you're given, yeah. Um, which is kind of a scary thought, but <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we should continue to research. We could should continue to learn, um, but then also be careful in terms of um, the things you do say, the things you do... Uh, what was the word I'm looking for? The things you, I guess, publish, you know, put out there um, for, like, public consumption and whatnot, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I had a three-year stint as a research scientist, and I, I did about a year of gene manipulation research. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was doing a lot of polymerase chain reaction, bacterial plasmids, replicating them using restriction enzymes. Yeah. Which felt like... I mean, it wasn't pinpointed on my research, but that was CRISPR 10 years before it was CRISPR. And I think about it now, and the way that society, it feels like dumbs down science yes. for the average person, makes it sound a lot more, what's the right word? Um, like it's right at the threshold uh, where, of coming right. true. Right. Like, yeah, by Christmas, you're going to be able to pick your baby's <laughs> yeah. cheekbones and When well, we don't really know the genes that are related to any number of things, yeah. Right, and yeah. There's, yeah, there's great limitations because we don't control where the restriction enzymes cut the plasmid. Sure, yeah. They're, they're there in nature cutting at specific places, so if we can't find the right place to cut, then yeah. it's not going to be possible at least for hundreds of years until technology advances. Well, and like with That's genes, such a great point. like so many different things. It's like such a delicate, like one thing can mm -hmm. impact so many different areas. And it's like, if you do just change like this one thing that seems like tiny minuscule, like how will that express? How will that, you can't super, like it's not a, uh, like a linear type thing. It's not like a very direct uh correlation because like mm -hmm. there's so many different variables for any person yeah so with that there's a scenario in my mind that i think about and let's say we're at a point where crispr technology is just as common as triple bypass surgeries yeah. for hearts yeah which is a no joke surgery very involved very serious but we've done it so much We've we kind of, we've kind of mastered yeah. it, and it, it's become a lot safer. So let's say that happens. I feel like what's going to happen with that technology is there's going to be an even greater disparity between classes. Definitely, Meaning, yeah. like, let's say green eyes are the cheapest 
So then, like, suddenly... Procedure. So then suddenly, like, all of the lower class has green eyes, and all the upper class has hazel eyes, whatever is the most expensive procedure, and they're using that as a social status. Yeah. That's super weird to think about, like, eye colorism. But, like, yeah, uh-huh. it's entirely... Yeah, if, the, if we got that far, if we... Yeah, no, it's super weird, but... Uh, yeah. So do you think... Do you think that would benefit society? Mm, in some ways. So, like, there are definitely some aspects that, like, like you were saying, like, um, with, like, birth defects and, and like, any number of, uh, like, diseases, like, great. But, yeah, then there are, you do deal with, like, the whole other level of implications about, uh, like, designer babies or whatever yeah, else. Yeah, 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 which is really freaky. <laughs> Um, so yeah, any, any number of things can be used any number of ways, depending on, uh, like any, oh man, just like so many variables along the way as well, though, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) butterfly effect and all that. Yeah. So what do you think would be the benefits? Mm Mm-hmm. To possessing that technology. Let's take away the the classism scenario. And let's say, besides, like, curing scoliosis Mm -hmm. in your child before it's born. Um, I definitely think that there's benefit to understand, like, to have a really deep understanding of, of genetics in general. Like, to understand, like, okay, this... Is like with this and this, this is like with this and this, because I feel like we we know broadly a lot of things, but very specific. I think it'd be really scientifically cool, <laughs> at least if you don't think about the consequences, which mm-hmm. you know. But <laughs> it would be really cool to have like that deep of an understanding of how everything works together to make you the person that you are, um, and like what is um, like nature versus nurture. What is based in genetics? What is um, environmental. I think that would super um, impact that sort of debate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of much beyond what you just shared and what's already been brought up. I think there's there's even ethical debates around whether or not curing someone with Down syndrome right. is ethical. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's. I feel like it really exists in the religious camp mm. where they say that those things are a gift to be treasured, not something to be diminished. Right. What and do you think about that? So I think that is something we should be talking about and that is um, something to think about. But then I also think about like, I feel like any technology, like man-made uh you could argue, like, oh, well, that wasn't intended. That wasn't... You're playing God. Yeah, you could say that with cars. You could say that with, like, the microphones we're talking into right now. Like, was anything, any advancement intended? Um, if God wanted us to eat sushi, he would have given us chopstick <laughs> Sure, yeah. Or, like, uh, you know, pre-made sushi rolls that grow from the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's very interesting. I think um, I don't want to, like put it aside because that is that is something that's important to think about um but i think you can say that about any technology kind of which is interesting to think about also in the scenario that i put forth 
I think about how, like, are there things deeper than classism that would be worse for society? Hmm. I'm trying, so you're saying worse than classism? Yeah. Well, I think you can have at that point, kind of like you were saying, like, infinite-isms? At that point, almost? I don't know, because... Like, if you can customize everything, anything is a potential discrimination point. Or, like, being, like, a natural, completely, like, uh, born child, like, would that be looked down upon? Then, like, not even, like, did you pay for green eyes? Did you pay for blue? Mm -hmm. Like, did you not pay for anything? And then is that somehow lesser or somehow better? Because then... uh, I don't know, I kind of think about, like, the, um, the different, uh, birth movements, I guess you could say, that we have today of, like, should you do natural, should you do in a hospital, should you do, and people are, like, super intense about whatever choices they have made, Mm -hmm. um, I think that opens the door for, like, a whole new, uh, a whole new slew of things for people to be like, yeah, this is... This is what's right, and like feel very intensely about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the way that we have domesticated and bred different animals is in any way similar? I mean, yeah. Like dogs, this? super duper, are like tailored to. Like, do you want a hunting dog? Do you want a a dog that'll fit in your purse? Do you want to? Yeah, it's very interesting. I I do think. Uh, Dogs have super been uh, specifically like tailored to um, to a human lifestyle, um, which is kind of interesting. No one talks about the ethics of that. Like, uh, was it animal children, husbandry just, and, yeah. and breeding farms? Yeah. Well, I guess they do to some degree with like uh, farming animals, so like cattle or like pigs for like food. They'll talk about. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with dogs, it doesn't super. Because, like, you have, there's this assumption that, like, well, you love your dog, you take care of your dog, but, like, the history that's there, I don't know. That's uh-huh. something we should talk about. <laughs> and then societies or at least families mm-hmm. that say, like, hey, you need to marry this sort of person. Right. Because of our bloodline. <laughs> yeah. That, feel, that feels like... A similar situation. The same thing. It's yeah, just when you, you put a scientific lab into it. The... No, super duper. Yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, lineage and families, which I think is less, well, I think is less common, like, in America. I think of that as more like a, a British or, like, European old money thing. But I, honestly, it's probably among, like, very well-off people uh, a thing here, too. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, like, the whole old money versus new money, like... I'm thinking about that, like, in terms of genetics also, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, are you, ooh, athleticism, so, like, are you predispositioned, or did you, like, get born naturally, and then you worked to, uh, to be the strongest guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting to think about implications there as well. One time I had a student ask me, let's say you have a pro baseball pitcher. hmm He's in his prime. If... If my student got his arm transplanted with the pitcher's <laughs> arm, right, right. would he be able to pitch at the pro level? 
because of muscle memory. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I think he would have to train. Like, I think maybe yeah. if you put the pitcher's brain in the kid's body, maybe at that point. And the arm? To, or would it, do you think it would just be I the brain? I think you could get the kid to train at that point, And then <laughs> as long as the arm was like similar muscle mass or something, I don't know. Then maybe. That's weird to think about, too. I, I essentially told them it doesn't work like that. Right. Because your muscles respond to stimulus. Right, right. That you see. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can close your eyes and move your arm, but as far as responding and the reaction time to what, yeah. what you're doing, it's much more complicated than just putting the pitcher's arm onto <laughs> your body. But then there's... I. I don't know the details surrounding this, but somewhere I think in in Russia or northern northern Asia, there's like a whole head transplant that's going to be going on. Whoa. Something like fifty doctors, two hundred nurses. Yeah. And they're transfer transferring a person's head onto another body. What? And I don't know if it's if it's happened or not. I feel like I read it. In like 2016, and they were gearing up for it. Oh my god. There's a lot of implications there, too. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, what if you took, uh, like, some genius guy and then put it on, like, you know, like, the uh, the top bodybuilders? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. yeah. Just, I don't know. Well, but then would he have any muscle memory to, like, train? I don't know. That's just weird. There's a lot there. <laughs> Let's go to cloning now. Okay. Because that's fair, still in the yeah. genetic space. For sure. So, cloning people. Yeah. Good idea? <sighs> or great idea? Well, definitely freaky idea. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I would not want to clone myself. But then, so, like, oh, man. Is it okay for, like, oh, man. I don't know. I always, like, think about Star Wars and, like, Boba Fett and, like, uh-huh. the clone army. Like, how did he feel about that? <laughs> like, that would just wig me out. Like, I know he gave permission or whatever, but, like, for someone to just be like, oh, yeah, there's, like, a whole army of you. We train them. They're fighting for the Empire. I don't know. <laughs> like, that technology's so, yeah, just wild. <laughs> People say clones would have no souls, but there's no scientific basis for that. Yeah, they're just reacting to their environment like the rest of you guys. I would be interested to see, does a clone of me, like, do they have the same, like, if you raise them in, like, as vacuum as a situation as possible, and there's, like, a whole slew of ethics with that, but <laughs> would mm-hmm. would they have, like, similar preferences to me? Would they, uh, would they speak like me? Would they have a similar sense of humor? Like, what would stay and what would be, uh, what would change? Yeah, like, would they have the same taste... In music like, and movies, music, you know, whatever food, else. Yeah, anything. Yeah. What would the deal be? <laughs> mm-hmm. Because clones exist naturally. They're called twins. That's true. Oh, and then, like, you, the environment super impacts that. But then, like, you can't just take a, a, a twin and be like, okay, so you're going to be in a vacuum. <laughs> yeah. But, so experimenting you, on people. It's the whole thing. Probably shouldn't do it. So, yeah, it's like, but it's be interesting to know. Just to know. So do you think it would be ethical to build a clone army and clone <laughs> armies go to war? Oh, God. On behalf of everybody? Yeah. Oh, no, no. Because, 
Uh, well, okay, so drone armies, like, uh, droid armies, I guess, that feels ethical. But then at what point, like, does the intelligence get to where it's not ethical? That's a question. Um, but clones, I feel like they're too people-y, they're too, uh, like, that's still life, you know? Like, I don't feel comfortable with clone armies. Like, still genetically a homo sapien. Right! So. And so that feels wrong. But then, like, if you're making robots to attack each other on behalf of each other... That's a better idea? Question mark. I don't know. <laughs> so would a would a robot be different than having like a cloned bear army? A cloned bear army. See, that's not ethical because of like animal rights, I would say. Yeah. Okay. I think I think uh I think they're both unethical. Yeah. <laughs> so I think about it like so every country picks the an animal, animal like, a, like a high school mascot. <laughs> and then we go to war oh my with gosh. those animals. It's like those hypothetical like uh, Reddit threads where they're like, okay, will like a thousand <laughs> lions or like a thousand bears win? And we can just find out. Let's just know. <laughs> and then someone creates a computer simulation. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 15 minutes on YouTube and you watch the whole thing. Bears and... win. Now we know. <laughs> There's when the comment section is filled with pro-lion comments. Yes, they're like, this is technically wrong because the lions <laughs> couldn't pounce. And so, <laughs> yeah, no, you get those questions answered. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then what about insects? Okay. So a cloned insect army. That's just gross. I don't know about the ethics, but that's disgusting. I don't want... Okay, like... but hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. Okay. <laughs> so a cloned grasshopper... Great. Cockroach army. Nope. <laughs> so imagine we're fighting. Yeah. After the war is over, the dead bodies mm-hmm. just become food for whoever's there. Because insect protein is going to solve the world's hunger problems. Yeah. So you're fighting and then then fighting and feeding. But listen, what I'm getting from this is like, there's going to be dead insects everywhere and now I have to also eat them. Like, this is no good. No good at all. I mean, they've got an array of sauces to choose from. But like looking into the buggy eyes, I don't know. Well, okay, but I eat fish. And if I don't have to look the fish in the eye, I feel a little better. If you could, like, barbecue bugs to the point where I wouldn't recognize them, then I guess insect versus insect army is okay. As long as I don't have to watch them fight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll go with that. (laughs) Okay. So then that leads us to what about cloning bacteria? We already do that. It's called bacterial cultures. Oh, man. I did so that in my research. I've done that, too, in a lab setting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're already doing that. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's not technically considered cloning, but there are That's, specific strains yeah, yeah. of E. coli that are very famous. Yeah. There's HeLa cells. There's yeah. all these things that are being used. Well, and when you look at the ethical, the ethical nature of, like, HeLa, like, yeah. that's not totally ethical, <laughs> the, the origin there. But. We should stop using yeah. them, really. But, it's, but then you kind of weigh it against, like, all the discoveries that have been made. And so then is it, did the ends justify the means? Oof. That's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So then I feel like if we're cloning bacteria, the only real application that I can mm -hmm. perceive would be biological warfare. Yeah. Which is and then that's... This whole thing, too. <laughs> Oof. You would be Oof. against chemical warfare? Yeah. Okay, so listen. This is the solution that I have to warfare. It's not going to work because no one will listen to me. But <laughs> let's just play a game of checkers. Whoever wins at checkers, you get to... Right. So it's like, we have this treaty, and the treaty says, okay, the winner of checkers gets to keep this land. And then... <laughs> I'm thinking, like, you know, you, you have, like, Israel and Palestine. They play checkers, and they're like, okay, there we go. That's not going to work. That's not going to happen. <laughs> right. But I think if we just had board games uh, involved in treaties, we'd be a lot better off. And then we could just have people um, who specialize in, say, checkers, chess, um, sorry, any board game you could you could pick and then um that would be your area of study and you could do statistics on those things and then like a lot of research would going to be like the best uh the best player of those board games mm. i feel like that would drastically change the requirements for our military yes oh definitely you have a bunch of nerds as opposed to <laughs> like buff guys the navy seals are like you know they all have like their little glasses and <laughs> there you go so i feel the same way i <laughs> When I think about it, I think of, okay, instead of people with no skin in the game making these decisions for us right. in our political systems, how about our president just sword fights with the other president? Ooh. So they've got to pick their battles. So maybe Still, the president is just the guy who's the best at mon Monopoly right. at, with my you know system. Right. Yeah. So I think I, I definitely think... The less violent means the better. Yeah. So, like, it's high stakes still, and we're still, like, making big decisions, mm -hmm. but it's like we're not murdering people all the time. But yeah. then there's got to be, I mean, we have the United Nations, but there's got to be some a oversight referee. organization like, that's going to yeah. keep someone from whipping out a pistol a because oh, they're God, mad that true. they lost the chess it's game. True. There's still weapons. There's still fist fights. No, it's true. <laughs> we can't, this is why it won't work. But if it did, it'd be great. So here's my solution. Okay. LARPing. Ooh. Because you just keep it's them, like, physical plastic, in nature. And they get all the catharsis. Yes. Okay. I like that. You get hit, <laughs> you get hit in the arm. Mm -hmm. You can't use your arm. Mm. So then, like, maybe, like, No a... cheating. <laughs> but then it works. There you go. You could do flag football. You could do, uh... Yeah. You could do a lot of things. <laughs> I just I just feel like that would be better. It would be. It definitely would be. But you know, they're not gonna listen to us. But then <laughs> but then there's the invasion side of things like Oh, so people would be like somehow doping to <laughs> to be better at Monopoly or uh shoots and ladders. Or like I guess the easiest way there is like uh dice that are loaded or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. People would cheat. That's yeah. true. That's true. Well, but then again, you could come back to like the Switzerland or the UN and be like, all right, you guys, you guys are the guys that supply the dice in the board game and keep everything kosher. But they'd be bribed. No, yeah, this is bad. <laughs> right. Any human link in the production chain. Good. Ooh, we have the mascot. So we go back to bears. We go back to lions and they play the board games. <laughs> 
<laughs> the human links the problem. <laughs> we just have, uh, or maybe monkeys. Like or like orangutans. a rabbit race. Ooh. Like they have those turtle races at state yes. fairs. Yes, yes. I even like a turtle race better. Just have like mm. the, the rings. And like you pick your turtle. <laughs> but then somebody picks like a snapping turtle. But like by totally the turtles. There's always some... <laughs> Some catch somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> so we've there. explored a lot of new world orders. <laughs> yes, yes, new world orders. <laughs> explored a lot of the cloning, breaking it down. So mm. what what's ethical? Is it ethical at the level of a microorganism? Organism is it ethical at the level of a human? Right. These things are already happening naturally in nature. But then when we put human intention behind it, now... It gets dicey. It gets dicey. Mm-hmm. So, where do we go from here? Ooh. Um, do, we, do we continue to fund the research or do we stop? I think the minute we start thinking about, uh, is this research going to get us in trouble in terms of... In terms of, like, what are all the ways it can do... Like, I was saying, like, uh, there are infinite implications of any discovery. So, like, I think we should we should fund science and we should have applications in mind. Applications that are good applications, applications that are helpful. Um, but we can't predict everything that can get, happen. So definitely fund the science. Definitely um, learn as much as we can. And I do think uh, things get in the wrong hands, like that shouldn't have been like the intention mm-hmm. to begin with. I think as long as you have good intentions with the science you're doing and you are trying to make it a better world, um, then you can't really be like blamed for things that go wrong. Like Einstein and the atom bomb, like he's still yeah. very respected, still very like his intentions were pure scientific um, truth discovery. And so it's like terrible things, terrible things, but. You can't know all the outcomes, and you, mm-hmm. you gotta just uh, do the best you can. Do the best work you can, I would say. All right, Grace, it's been great talking to you. Great talking to you, too. And I wonder, do you have any parting wisdom for anyone who's listening? Parting wisdom? Um, even if the knowledge is forbidden, just try, try and figure it out. Try and learn as much as you can. Absorb as much as you can. Uh, better yourself through knowledge, yeah. All right, thank you. No problem.